Welcome back to part two of our interview with Paul Craig. In this part, Paul talks about his preparation before a fight, going into some detail about the cycle of analysis in relation to his performance. So, so on the build-up to a fight, how far out would you begin training to, to beat your opponent? And what does a, a weekly training schedule look like building up to that? Yeah, so um, uh, I, I'll, I'll go for how long I like to. Uh, a proper hard fight camp is in between 10 to 12 weeks. That's for me. I like to periodise it up to a point where I'm not just going from zero to 100. I like to go between, you know, like up maybe 50 and then just gradually bring it in. Because I find that if I go from doing my maintenance work to doing uh, performance work, it will have detrimental effects on your physical body. Having physical issues, meaning like my body so means I then have to go in and do skill sessions or do jiu-jitsu or do sparring and people are getting the best of me because I'm really, really sore because DOMs are there and because muscles are fatigued. So I like to periodize it to get into the point where I like to be and then hit it really, really hard. And then you need to get to this point at the end. So like a few weeks, you've got to taper that down because if you just keep going up, 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 you have to. Your body gets to this point where it's like, no, no, we can't keep going. It just dips. Mm-hmm. That happened in the, um, it was my, it was a fight I recently got beat. It was uh, against Khalil. No, it wasn't Khalil. It was Khalil. Um, I had left my best rounds in the gym. Like, I had I had some amazing fights in the gym. And I remember leaving the gym fight and like, that was amazing. Like, we just literally went back and forward for 25 minutes but it was, I'd used up all my energy and all my performance in there rather than in the fight. Um, so you need to make sure you have this nice thing balance. You also need to make sure that your training partners aren't going to kill you every single time. Because I need to go to other gyms, like I go to a boxing gym and train with just boxers, and that's an actual fight. It's not like sparring with this, like we'll touch and it'll be nice, happy, happy. No, no, no. This guy's trying to knock me out. This guy's trying to hurt me. And it's the same if I go to kickboxing gyms, the exact same thing will happen. People want to brag to their pals that they, they beat up the MMA guy or the or Big Paul Craig. I've done him at boxing and I never ever let MD have that opportunity over me. I will never ever let MD go away by and tell a story about how they got the bet or like Paul Craig. I will go in, if I go to a gym, I will try my absolute best because I know they're trying to hurt me and I'm going to have to try and hurt them. Um, so training, periodize it, taper off, uh, make sure I don't go too hard. Um, an average week, I always train yearly round. I don't have an off-season. Some fighters will train for a fight, and then once it becomes after the fight, they'll then just go in the week that they want. They'll not train. They'll do the bare minimum. Every single day, I train twice a day, apart from a Thursday and a Sunday, where I will do uh, active recovery, be it a light jog for 20, 30 minutes, or I'll run a spin class, uh, just enough to get the blood flowing. I'll mm-hmm. do yoga in the days as well uh, to make sure that my muscles are, are staying supple. I'll try and flush as much of that lactic acid as I possibly can. Um, especially now, because I'm doing double conditioning sessions a day, where it would be mm-hmm. normally a conditioning session in the morning, like a skill session at night, or vice versa. I'm now mm-hmm. doing double conditioning sessions um, to try and stimulate myself. And it's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to mimic the fight or mimic a fight without using an opponent. So I'm trying to tap into that uh, ATP PC, like, so that short burst of energy, 
where like it might be like a, a combination, tapping into that, that 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 muscle, as well as then jumping on and going on to doing some aerobic work, like long work, and uh, still mixing in stuff like plyometrics, stuff like strength workouts, because you've got to find this nice balance. So you've got to have strength, no matter no matter what it is you do, any sport. Uh, strength is going to make you, if you're a footballer, it's going to make you have that explosive power to run that mm-hmm. bit faster. For any of the guys that are actually listening and they're, they're wanting to become a better athlete, strength will not build muscle big enough as long as you're doing everything else. So if you're doing your um, your football training and you want to get faster or you want to become stronger on the ball, doing strength work is the way it's to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like tapping your knowledge as as coaches and as teachers, like the students should be like saying, "Listen, I'm I'm wanting to get better at this. Can you help me?" Mm-hmm. Usually, guys, usually, usually guys that have been there, usually guys that have done it, usually guys that know the academic work in this. Um, so it's trying to find this balance. Uh, I've been working on a because it's a holding sport like jujitsu and wrestling. Like you would hold somebody in like an isometric contraction where mm-hmm. all your muscles are contracting but I'm not actually lifting any weights. Yep. So I've been working on static holds, so isometric contraction, and then get into a movement. So prime example would be an arm curl. Hold that movement so the muscles engaged, not at its top, its end point or its start point, but in the middle point, blood then, blood then fills to this area to try and uh, invoke the muscle contraction. So it's because it's trying to twitch, it's trying to get all that, it's trying to get that tightness in. And then I'll then bring in like an arm curl. I'm using that as an example, but it'll be predominantly like chest work, back work, uh, leg work. Be it like I'll put the the bar underneath the squat rack and I'll pull, so my muscles yep. are engaged. That was the the midpoint, and then mm-hmm. I'll then go and do like a deadlift. Um, so, so trying to find that balance is, is is very very hard when it's training two condition sessions a day. So, like, you see what you were talking about there with the, you would hold it and then you would go into the, the actual proper contraction of the, the rep. Yeah. That's just to basically replicate what it would be like in a fight. So, yes. you're actually so trying to hold. Or, yeah, so and then you, the, yeah, the movement part trying, of it. I'm, yep, I'm trying to mimic that. So, it'd be like, yep. if you imagine, it would be like a hold and mm. then it would be a movement because yep. you wouldn't be holding there for the full five minutes. It'd be maybe come uh, off and it'd be like a couple of shots. So, I'm trying to mimic that. We yep. get the kettlebell hold, be it like a a half deadlift where I'm like I'm, I'm pulling to the point of the contractions there and then releasing the bar and then going and hitting a bag mm. so trying to mimic trying to mimic, mimic the energy systems and trying yeah, to mimic the movements that are being used mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people who for instance a, a bench press a standard bench press mm. is a great indicator of strength you fire it on and you work out your one match rep and you're like right I'm strong I can lift 100 kilograms you might be able to lift bench press 100 kilograms but you've got to think about opponent won't just lie in your chest and your arms won't be out here and they won't yeah. be in this nice, your shoulders will be rolled back and you're ready for this mm. full and cause engaged all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It'll be done like, maybe it'll be this hand will be pushing. So from my adapt, adapting that for a more MMA or a striking based power, rather than doing the standard chest press, I'll maybe use dumbbells and it'll be like alternative arms. So I'll hold both arms out and I'll alternative arm it with that isometric contraction um, to try and mimic as best I possibly can. I'm never ever going to get a chance to have two hands nice and close to me to push my mm-hmm. opponent. So maybe one it, hand, another hand. So that's so what we teach the kids like through National Five um, when they're going through their training program and that when they're they're training to 
to develop their performance. So if it's fitness or something for football, like specificity is one of the, the principles of training that we speak yeah. about. And that just touches on it perfectly, how you need to be replicating the movements that you're doing for your sport. Like you're saying, there's no point just going in and doing bench presses because that's not, it's not necessarily relevant to to the movements of your sport. You, you, would, you would definitely increase your strength, but yeah, absolutely. performance-wise, it's not, it's not I, relevant. It's just trying to keep it as between the two. specific as possible. So I think that's oh, it. Paul, you just going back to the training you were speaking about when you were in the camp uh, and you were, you were sparring just before the fight and you were flying and you felt good. So you mean, like, how long into the fight did it take you to realise, oof, I think I've, I'm dipping now. Like, 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 how did that feel in the fight? Like, you, So that fight, that fight's at not a great indicator because what happens is all these other outlying, fa- out, out, outlying factors. So if I take Australia, you had travel to worry about. I get beat fair and square. There's no way, like, I'll never ever come out and say, oh, I would have won if it was this, 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 and this. That's not the way I work. But there's limiting factors where, right, best sessions were in the gym. Uh, travel absolutely messed me up. Weight cut messed me up. And all these things add up to making you come that night and then you can't function, your muscles don't have enough glycogen to do the actual the movement, maybe you don't have enough water in your body to fuel the pumps or whatever it is you're going to go for. All these kind of things lean into it and, it, and that's why it becomes a very, very a fine balance between right on the edge of your performance and mm-hmm. being negative and having this detrimental effect to your fight. It's so hard to catch and the only way you can do it is by pushing yourself in the gym and knowing your heart rate ranges, knowing how you're feeling, knowing how you felt in that training session. Like, I clearly peaked too early in that fight. Mm-hmm. So that's why I felt good. That's why everything had then built up to this one point. I felt amazing. But if I'd taken any of the fight, maybe the fight outcome would have been different, but it mm-hmm. didn't. And it was in the gym, and I felt amazing in the gym, and I was beating up guys, and I was like, I'm leaving, walking out, thinking, yeah, this fight's going to be easy. After you've hit that peak, you then have to come back down, don't you? Mm-hmm. And I'm maybe about here when this happens. Mm-hmm. And it um, sounds a bit, it sounds a bit like trial and error, but you've you've always learned def- to definitely because what works for me won't work for anybody else in my in my camp or in my team. Um, so you need to find what works for you, and it's mm-hmm. and it's as as much as this is an individual sport, it requires everybody around about me. Like if I am not getting the best spam partners, then I can't develop. If I'm getting in and I'm beating up everybody and I'm spamly, then I'm not learning. I need to learn. I need to mimic the fight as best I possibly can. Um, if I'm getting in and I'm, I'm not lifting the right stimulus within the gym and I'm feeling good, like, oh, I just lifted that and I felt really good, but I'm not hitting the point of where the development's happening. Uh, it's going to yeah. be detrimental to my performance. and It's it's hard to try and find that balance, but um, the more you fight, so I'm not sure how many fights I've had now. Is it like 16, 14, somewhere? Okay, n- 16. 17, one draw. 17. 17. So yeah. it's taking that wee bit of time. And even now, like I can still overshoot a, I can overshoot a camp by pushing myself too hard or under hit a camp by not pushing hard enough. It's, it's, that's why you need people like conditioning coaches when I've got them within the USC Performance Institute. They write up my programs, even though I know the knowledge myself. Like my knowledge could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, my reading could be wrong. I know that I'm working with the best, be it the UFC PI. Uh, I'll talk about that in a second. They guys stay in the workouts, they stay in the nutrition, and I just have to follow it. Um, the UFC PI is a, uh, the UFC decided to build this 
amazing platform to test athletes, to provide athletes with the best uh, skills and the best the best advice they can give a UFC athlete. It's only for UFC athletes. And the way they look at it is, if I can make the whole roster of fighters within the UFC better, then I'll have better fights. Fights will end quicker. Athletes will be more uh, athletic. Um, so that's why they did it. And you can go over there and go over to Vegas and get my VO2 max test. Um, can get my uh, counter jump test. All these kind of stuff. I've got power pads that test your velocity. All this different stuff, which I wouldn't have access to unless I was part of the UFC. So it's amazing. You can mm-hmm. check it out. They're actually currently doing. They're actually currently testing US athletes. So US Olympians. Um, if you want to, I think it's the Olympics Instagram page uh, on their Instagram TV. They, they go through the athletes and uh, the two I've seen so far are, they tested a wrestler, so a collegiate uh, Olympic wrestler, and they tested a marathon runner. And they, so they look at how explosive they are, how good their core stability is, how good their VO2 max is, how good their run gate is, all this kind of stuff. Like, all this kind of stuff that gets me excited. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And especially for your, for your students and for even just people listening to this, it's, a, it's good to see how... A, Looking at the marathon runner, their body fat percentage was was super high. It was up at like nineteen. And I didn't expect that for a marathon runner. And then you look at the how explosive a wrestler is, like how much energy they've got coiled up within their muscles for that counter jump was was incredible. Fascinating stuff, this? man. Uh, does does it tell me? One. Just comes up and says, "Well, we get ten minutes left, so all good." Aye, ten minutes. Aye, so we could do it. No, we'll get. We'll do, like, we could do one of the. No, you definitely, ones, definitely get more. Lewis, what do one of the factor ones? You want to do one of the factor ones, Lewis, and then just go through it on the quick fire. Eh, uh, aye. If you want to do that, aye. Um, well, just we don't want to take all your time up. No, no. I, I, listen, it's it's me. I'm a nightmare. No matter what I do, I that like anything for to do like a meeting or any of that kind of stuff or to do a talk it's like I just keep talking no, it's, it's, good, no, it's good for us but like we, we, enjoy, we enjoy it but we don't want to obviously rip it we, no 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 listen I've got all the time in the world don't worry right perfect okay. ideal then I will just crack through it then great okay. when you go mate so Paul what fitness and skill or and or tactical information do you need to collect and analyze to develop your performance? It's, 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 that's a, a really good question. Um, so I tend not to do any of that. I leave that to my coaches and the uh, conditioning team. That's their job. My job is to fight and my job is to be brave. Their job is to be smart and to look after my safety. So my coach, Brian Gallagher, what he'll do is he will go and watch fighters. He'll go and watch fighters to day in, day out, and he'll look at, he'll look at, what works against that fighter. For instance, we fought against um, the the Russian. Uh, his name was Majimegov Ankalaev. That was the guy I beat in the last round. We knew he was a very, very strong grappler. We knew he was a very, very great striker. And we had to try and, as Brian had to try and come up with it, because I find if I spend too much time analysing a fighter, I then become obsessed. So you think about every time uh, this fighter constantly flings a one-two, so he flings a, a, a jab and a cross every single time, then I will get, I will be waiting that one thing, mm-hmm. whereas fighting is this very, very fluid motion. So what Brian's job is to, is to find 
training to best beat this opponent. So if this guy flings a one-two, I don't know he flings a one-two, but what I'm anticipating is I'll fling a jab and I'll fling a movement up it, be it a wrestling takedown or be it a high kick. So Brian will he'll not tell me what he does. What he'll do is he'll train me in such a way, like Paul, want you to fling a jab, hook, and a high kick. Jab, hook, high kick, and we'll drill it, and we'll drill it, and we'll drill it. And it was, um, who was it? Is it Bruce Lee who says, don't fear the man that does a thousand kicks once, fear the man that does a one kick a thousand times. Nothing better than learning one repetition, muscle mm-hmm. memory, and then it kicks in. So at that time where I feel the best opportunity for that jab, hook, high kick, that's when it all land because I've already drilled it. I've already feel, I already feel it. And he'll have maybe my teammate Ross come in and he'll find the right. You tell Ross, listen, Ross, I want you to, I want you to find a one-two. I want you to find this, 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 and this. Find a one-two. And then we'll try and mimic the fight as best as we possibly can. Sometimes it's really hard to mimic that. I fought um, an opponent called Kennedy and Chucky uh, in Philadelphia, and he's a very, very rangy fighter. He's like six six. Um, fights with his fingers open. I took many pokes to the eyes. Like I uh, damaged my my eye, so my retina had hadn't detached. It had just like had been like scratched, and I couldn't see properly. And um, just because he fights like that, and because every time I went in to shoot, fuck him with a jab, I get poked in the eye. That kind of stuff you can't mimic in a in a in a gym. Mm-hmm. It's um, but we tried to mimic it as best as we can. We brought in southpaw fighters who were given specific uh, movements to make. Like, do this and then that's where he'll that's where my coach will work on that conditioning team will have these conversations with my coach and it'll be like right we're looking to be more grappling based or we're looking to be more striking based and well, as I was saying you need to have both like you need to have all elements of fitness but if you're fighting a more grappling based opponent then you want to kind of tip into the slow twitch fibers where you're holding it's less energy burning whereas the fast twitch fibers just constantly bam 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 you don't really want to have them. Um, so you need to have this 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 balance because the last thing you want to do is train one and then it comes to the fight and the fight's all down the other route you never trained and then you just burn all the muscle and you, you all the energy in your muscles and you can't wash your hands up. Really. I'm going to get punched in the face and that's exactly what happens. People train conditioning because they see, oh, I've seen Conor McGregor doing this and I'm going to do it. Conor McGregor's trains for a specific fighter. That's why he's doing this. You need to train for the fight that you're doing, and that's my conditioning coach's job. So would you put? So would you kind of focus just on you then, Paul Craig, and what he can do, yeah. or yeah. just leave the rest up to the your team? That, that's their job. That's that's where you get paid for. That's what you're part of my team for. Um, it's the same. I have coaches specifically for different disciplines. I've got a jiu-jitsu coach who only deals with jiu-jitsu, so he's not going to tell me how to box. My boxing coach will do that. He'll say, "Paul, try this." And what happens is by having each individual coach, they all then put in their, their opinion. I think this will work and I think this will work. And it's up to my head coach, Brian, to decide the route he wants to steer me down. I think it's a great way of working rather than as a fighter worrying about one thing. This opponent has a really, really good high kick. I need to watch it. I need to watch it. And then you're so worried about this high kick that you don't fling your own movements. So uh-huh. for me, getting into fight camp, yes, we work specific training. And we, it's all tailored around a fighter. But for me, it's about me. Am I getting the best out of me? Is that punch long, explosive? Does it need to be long and explosive? Do I have to just, does, do I have to just keep going 
um, with punches or do I have to be explosive or do I have to be grappling based? So for that, that's their job and they have to steer me down that route. Brilliant, cheers. That kind of um, covers pretty much what I was going to ask you in the next question. So my, my next question was going to be, so grappling's clearly a strength in your, your fighting style, yep. but when training, do you focus the bulk of your time on this aspect or do you look to develop other areas? And it seems like based on who you're fighting, that kind of shapes your, your training camp primarily. Yep, there is. Yeah, there's always, there's always areas I enjoy. I enjoy jiu-jitsu. I enjoy... I know the moves, and jiu-jitsu is one of these sports where... I, I, I took part in karate. I took my daughter to karate to learn karate, and you learn all these basic dance moves, as I call them. You learn a mm-hmm. kata, but it's never ever put into fruition because people don't come in in the exact same way you want them to come in. You block that punch, deliver this punch, block yeah. that punch. People don't fling the set cat that you need them to fling. Uh, Listen, the guy I'm sparring, can you fling this, 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 and this so I can <laughs> practice my low block, high block, deliver that punch? Whereas jujitsu's jujitsu is this. This guy's trying to submit me and I'm trying to submit him. So as well as me defending the moves that he's trying to do on me, I'm trying to then oppose my will and him. And I love that. I love jujitsu. That's what got me involved in this sport. Uh-huh. I also love sparring. Like I love the element of getting in and boxing and taking taking a few and letting that heart rate shoot up because you can't control it and taking a few, landing a few good shots. Now you might only land one good shot that whole three minute round, but that one good shot could be the one that wins you the fight. Mm-hmm. So there's areas I will love going training. Um, like, as I say, jiu-jitsu, I enjoy the wrestling. Saturday morning wrestling, it's just competitive. It's just the guys we get in, we do a little bit of drilling and then we then start fighting each other. When I say fighting wrestling, we're trying to pin each yeah. other mm-hmm. and it becomes about who, it becomes bragging rights. Whereas like, I'm going to be the guy that's going to stay in the middle. We call it a shark tank. I'm going to stay in there the longest. Brilliant. Um, so... How often, I know you say it's your coaches, how often will your coaches monitor your training? Because when we teach this in school, we like say you, you'll gather information at the start of a training programme, in the middle and at the end, just to make sure you're on track and your training process is actually working. Is this similar to yourself? So like at the start of your 12-week fight camp, in the middle and at the end? Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll run some sort of testing at the start be it like uh, the VO2 max, and then we'll look to improve that. The only, the only difference with this is the outcome isn't determined by a test. Be mm-hmm. it like the, say for instance, like right, I want to improve my one match rate. That yep. needs to get stronger. How do I improve this? Now, I'll do all the stuff, all the, the stuff to progress it. The only thing is I won't get to test it then to be like, how, how actual good did I make this? Uh-huh. So I'll not get to do that. Coach uh, Brian, he monitors my me every day we use a thing called uh, HRV like so heart rate variability yeah so in I the morning I'll take my I'll take my heart rate variability I've got a ring that takes my heart rate variability at night he'll then see it he'll then compare it with data previously and he'll be like listen Paul uh, this isn't a day to push hard this is a day to scale back uh, so maybe his skill session will will be less less competitive meaning so I've not got the opportunity like it's more about the drill, one, two hook, or the wrestling. But I'm not having an opponent trying to come at me 100. percent So mm-hmm. it'll be scaled right the way back, and that's that's like the sign of a, a good coach, rather than just constantly push, 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 push. Yeah. There's a point where if you keep pushing somebody, they're just going to fall off the cliff. So he mm-hmm. pushes me a point, and then he's like, right, you scale it back, allow you to recover. Um, so he'll monitor that daily. He'll also monitor like he'll monitor how I'm. How are me as a person? Like, am I a bit jaded? How did I come into training? How am I looking in a first session? 
Uh, Paul, what was your heart rate? Go and, go and, go and fire your heart rate monitor on, tell me what your heart rate is. It's quite high. Right, we're not going to do this today, I'm going to change it. And I think that's a mark a great coach to, to see what the individual needs and progress with that rather than just this blanket like, oh, today has to be this, this, this. Uh, at this uh, it's just mere, you, it's have just, to, you have to paper. It's just merely a plan, isn't it? Sometimes you need to yep. steer off it. But yep. I think it's, it's also super handy to have like that heart rate, heart rate variability technology so they can actually see when you need no, like, it's, maybe a, it's, it's great. a rest day or whatever. A, it's brilliant. I currently use a ring and what it does is it maps checks your body temperature, it's called Aura, it's a great piece of kit. Uh-huh. So as well as taking taking your HRV, it also takes your body temperature, um, also collects all the information that you've accumulated that day. So your workout's almost with a heart rate monitor, it's almost good to see I'm in the right training zone because training has to be, I have to hit all the right criteria for a training session. I can't just go and train with no outcome and being yeah. like, We'll see what happens. This training Aye. session, what, what are you training today, Brian? Is it this, 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 or this? Nah, we'll see what happens. It could just be that, that like mm-hmm. training. It's, a, it's an hour. It's two hours. It's an hour and a half. It's it needs to be specific for my development. So yep. if I'm, I'll use a run. If I'm doing a twenty minute run and my heart rate's like in the the green zone, and my heart rate needs to be in like the a high tempo run, it's not going to it's not going to cut it. So I've yep. just wasted twenty minutes. Although there is development happening within that twenty minutes. A twenty-minute run. It's not the not what you need. stimulus I need. So yeah. we, the heart rate, the heart rate's always been monitored. Um, and as I said, the ring and all these other things. Technology is a great, a great mm. piece to develop a fighter. That's amazing. That's dead interesting. That I love because I've heard them. Um, I listened to. I've touched on this before when I was speaking to somebody else on the podcast about the heart rate variability. I heard T.J. Dillashaw. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm-hmm. He was talking about that, and I was just—it was just uh, super interesting. That was the first time I'd heard of it, and I knew. Obviously yeah, it's, 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 it's quite a cool concept. So they measure the 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 time in between beats, and it will tell you how much stress was within yeah. the heart. And the heart then obviously pumps the blood around the body. So if the heart's feeling a bit, it's not working efficiently, then the body's mm-hmm. not getting the right the right blood, the right nutrients, the right oxygen to it. And then it's a great, it, it, it's brilliant. And um, one of the ones we use for like. Like you might have had a great night's sleep, and um, that's one of the other things I need to do is monitor my sleep. So you might have had a great night's sleep in the morning. Your heart rate is saying it's perfect. Your HRV is like you can go, you can go 100 percent today. You go that 100 percent, and then later on that day, you've not your heart rate, you've not checked your variability. Mm-hmm. So you're then going to go hard again, and you might not be ready. So just by knowing your resting heart rate and comparing it, like you're up at 70, Paul, that's pretty high for you. So Let's scale this back just by a simple indication of the heart rate rather than running these tests of HRV, which is like, so it needs to be, the one we use is like a, the chest strap, you lie in bed, you put a, a sensor on your palm, you put a sensor on your head, and it, it, it tracks uh, a number of different things. It's called a mega wave, and yeah. it's supported by the UFC. That's and then it, and it tells you, um, so I can, like, me getting out of training session, especially like, when we're not in lockdown and everything's very time constrained, like I need to be here this time, I need to be here this time. Having that HRV is not, I can't do it before a session. So just by knowing your heart rate, what your resting heart rate is, mm-hmm. uh, you can then compare it to that and be like, that's super high, Paul, you're not training 100% today. Thanks very much for coming back and tuning in to part two. The final section of this fantastic interview will be released on Friday at 4pm. We really hope 
you decide to join us in.